Salem's Lot, 1979, with Dave Becker. In this episode, Dave Becker will tell you why daylight wasn't enough to protect him from the horrors of Salem's Lot. You'll also find out if Salem's Lot is classic enough to rank in his top five vampire and Stephen King films. And finally, Dave will discuss where Salem's Lot ranks among all of Toby Hooper's other classic films. It's time to dig your teeth into this one. I am here with the one and only Mr. DVD infatuation himself, Dave Becker. Hey, how's it going, Joel? Good to be here. Good, man. I am glad to have you here. This would not be a spooky flicks fest without you. Now, I do want to ask, have you been present at every one of these since we started this, I believe, in 2011? I'm trying to think because I, I know I was there in 2011 with the thing. And I remember last year being part of it with um, the fun with Funhouse, the Funhouse. Yes. Um, but, and I can't remember about 2012 and the other, the only time, the other time I was on was when we talked tremors. Now, was that during the, that may have been spooky flex or was that during the, the, this, the, the fest? It may have been. I honestly don't remember if it was, I remember having you on for that. I was in tremors. That was the other one I was on. So I might've not been there for 2012. If tremors wasn't part of it, I might've missed 2012. But other than that, I've, that's, I've been there. You have to for some reason 2012 I'm drawing a complete blank cuz what was I want what was our Halloween movie last year? Was it Halloween? Well, well it was the fun house that we did last year. Yeah, but that I, just, I discussed with you. Yeah, and I'm just trying to remember Oh, but your main man. Yeah, I'm not I can't what was it? Boy, that's a good question. I can't remember. Isn't it amazing how easy it is? <laughs> People say, yeah, "And you guys in that last episode when you said such a and I'll do the whole, "Yeah, I have no <laughs> idea what the hell you're talking about." <laughs> If you say so, I really, I don't remember doing it's, that. It's really strange. Yeah. I, I go back, I listen to some of the podcasts I was on, like well, when I first started and everything, it's, it's just, there's nothing, nothing familiar about it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember any of the discussions. I don't remember yeah. any of the comments amazing? I made. It really is. So tonight, the movie you wanted to discuss for this year's Spooky Flicks Fest is unique because I don't even know, unless you brought it up in a past episode, I don't know if it's ever even been brought up on the show. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember if I brought it up or not, but I don't think so, because it wouldn't have really fit with any of the movies we were discussing at the time. It is 1979 Salem's Lot, directed by Tobe Hooper. Um, with uh, uh, And it, what it is, it's based on a Stephen King novel, obviously. Uh, it was originally a, a television miniseries. I think it was over two nights. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I think it was over two nights. Um and uh, it is a, a vampire film. And I saw this on cable. Now, the, the original version I saw had been edited down from the TV movie. They had actually edited, you know, edited out a lot of the opening scenes. There's a lot of, about an hour or so of this is set up. You meet the, meet the people in the town of, um, uh, you know, well, Jerusalem's lot is the name of it. And you meet the people in the town and you, you know, the, the relationships that are going on and so forth. And it's really like the last, uh, the, the second and third parts where it really gets into the vampire. Um, well, what they did was they had taken the three hour TV movie and they edited it into uh, 
slightly under two hours or right around two hours, um, you know, theatrical film. Well, that's what played on cable the first time I saw it. And there are scenes in this movie. Okay, just to set it up, um, uh, it's it's um, a small New England town, all right, Jerusalem's lot. Uh, writer Ben Mears uh, used to live there. He's come back to town because there's something that's bothering him. All right, uh, there's there's an evil. There's, he knows there's something evil in the area, and and has drawn him back there. And it looks as if it might have something to do with this this eerie mansion that's sitting way on top of the hill, looking over the whole town. Uh, which actually, as he finds out, was just purchased by a guy named uh, Straker, played by James Mason, who opened a uh, antique store in town with his partner Barlow, who nobody ever sees. Um, well, anyway, his arrival in town coincides with all these mysterious deaths in which the dead are being drained of their blood. So, what does that tell you, right there? Uh, but when they start rising from the graves, you know, and, and uh, then then it's like, okay, we're dealing with a vampire here. All right, and then it's like that's it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So uh, Ben he he hooks up with this teenager, Mark, uh, played by Lance Kerwin, and what they want to do is they want to go up into the mansion. And they want to try and take out um, the, this vampire before he turns the entire town into uh, you know, and, and before he kills everyone in town, turns them into vampires. So that's the setup for this. Um, it's an interesting cast, too. This actually has uh, Fred Willard in a non-comedic role as uh, the realtor uh, who, who sold Straker this house and, and is setting him up in the business. Uh, and he's actually sleeping with another guy's wife uh, in the movie. I think she works for, she works it for him. Um, so it's got, it's got an interesting cast to it. Uh, oh, God, was Elijah Cook Jr. plays the town drunk? Um, uh, has Lou Ayers, you know, guy going all the way back to All Quiet on the Western Front is in here um, as, as a, one of Ben's uh, old teachers and a friend of his. Um, oh, God, who's the other one? Uh, Jeffrey Lewis is in it. Every time I see Jeffrey, every time I see Jeffrey Lewis, I mean, he's been in some stuff recently like Devil's Rejects and so forth. Um, but when I see him, I think of this movie first. I always think of this movie first when I think of Jeffrey Lewis. Even before Night of the Comet? Uh, oh, no, that's right. He was in Night of the Comet, too. I do think of this one first. Yes, I think of Salem's Lot, too, just because of the effect it had on me. But then with with him, I always think of the um, uh, the Clint Eastwood uh, orangutan movies. Every which way but loose and any which way you can. You know, I think of him in, in those movies as well. That's, that's, what, that's actually where I saw him first, I think. I might have even seen them before I saw Salem's Lot. This movie just creeped the hell out of me. Holy cow, did this thing get to me. I mean, this is like a vampire movie that even now I watch it. It has scenes. I mean, have you seen it? Has it been a while since you've seen it? I have a confession to make. Okay. I have seen the remake starring okay. Rob Lowe, which actually I don't think was, I don't think that was horrible. It wasn't horrible. See, and I, I have not seen the remake, I don't to think be it honest was with you, even though, even though Rob Lowe, as I found out doing family research, is a distant cousin of mine. Uh, he's, a, he's a great actor, I think. Yeah, definitely. I am very familiar with some of the iconography, the uh, you know, floating outside the kid's window, Ooh, that whole thing. That is that is rough. That is a rough scene. And it has um, and that's like the younger brother dies and he comes to visit the older brother, mm -hmm. uh, Danny, played by Brad Savage, who, uh, interesting enough, I just found out was one of the three kids from the original Apple Dumpling Gang. But this is him a few years later, a few years after that, obviously. Um, but 
And so what happens is he opens the door, lets it in, and this little kid's just floating there, and with the smile, with the grin, and the te- oh my god, and the, they put the fog outside. Mm-hmm. It is just, it is creepy. Like it is really creepy. I mean, that gotcha. You know, I'm sitting there when I first saw this. I had just gotten home from school. It was getting towards the summer, so I'm thinking it was either in late April or early May. All right, beautiful sunny day outside. I turned this thing on. I couldn't stop watching it. And it creeped the hell out of me. It really did. Sitting there with the sun blaring in, it really got to me. I think I even remember my brother giving me a hard time because he wanted to watch Bugs Bunny or something, and I wasn't going to let. I wasn't. I wasn't about to turn this off um, because I, I was in high school and he was in grade school at the time, so I got home a little earlier than he did. Um, but man, did this get me! I mean, and there's there's even a um, a jump scare in this thing where uh, it takes place in a jail cell. It doesn't matter how many times I see the movie, I always jump. It's That reminds me of an Exorcist 3. Right. You're familiar with that? Yeah, I, it's been a while, but yes, I have seen but, that. But the scene where the nurse is checking the rooms and it's just lingering, simple. I believe there's a slight track motion to the camera pushing down this hallway from the far farthest end, but it's so subtle. And she goes into her room. She heard a noise in there. She goes in, checks around, but we don't go into the room with her. We're just, we always stay at the far end of the hall. And then she comes out, does something, goes back around. And then she comes out, turns a lot of, shuts the door. And as soon as she does, she takes like two steps away from that door. You, the door flies open behind her and the music goes, and you, this white cloaked, whatever the hell it's supposed to be with big silver shears comes right at her neck, just really fast. And the camera zooms in really hard and they cut. Wow. Dude, every to this day. That's right. Yeah, that is. (laughs) I could watch that scene over on a, I did my friend and I, my friend, Jason Wilson. And it was right before he got his mom sent him back to Scotland. And (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we were in ninth grade and this was, I had the VHS copy. We would just watch that one scene over and every time we're like, Oh God, <laughs> every time it got us every freaking that, time. Every, every now and again, you get something like that. And yeah. that, that, that is, man, that just sounds, prof- that is profoundly creepy. <laughs> I can see, definitely see where you get, where you got that. Yeah. The Exorcist is a hard movie to just pick out and say, I'm going to sit down and watch this now. Yet, yet I, for some you, reason you know, with my, of all people, my wife will do that. <laughs> Really? She loves it. <laughs> See, oh, I do too. Yeah. I mean, I for me, it's, I mean, I probably would have gone with that one, but I'm sure somebody beat me to the punch on picking that Peter one. beat you to the punch on that one. Yeah, but th- there's no doubt in my mind that that one was going to be chosen. So I was trying to think of one that maybe yeah, a little, not really obscure, Yeah. but maybe one that wouldn't immediately leap to mind. And Salem's Lot is, is definitely, I mean, the, the vampire himself is more um, Nosferatu. Yes, I remember is, that. Mm-hmm. Than he is the... Um, you know, the, the, the Bela Lugosi, Christopher Lee sort of dashing vampire, uh, which sets it off right there. And there's a scene where this thing comes flying through a window um, and just boom, all of a sudden two people are dead. Like, and they've been semi-regular characters through most of the story. And it's just like, Glenn, it's almost like like a Three Stooges. He clanks their heads together and boom, they're dead. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this unceremonious way to off major characters. Exactly. Um, oh, and uh, James Mason is really good in this film too. I mean, he he's sort of, he's always been to me an underrated actor. There's something about him that I I like pretty much everything he's done, and he's been in some really damn good movies, and has been very good in them. And he plays this role of almost like the like the Renfield, but a little more than that. 
you know, the guy who's who's clearing the way, but he's part of it too because there's a scene where he even shows like this sort of superhuman strength at one point when they all go up to the house. Um, that so he's he's there too. I mean, he's he, he's really good in this as well, but. So many scenes. You got Jeffrey. There's a scene where Jeffrey Lewis. Um, I, I don't want to go into too many uh, spoiler. Do I know you guys do the spoiler alert thing here? So well, honestly, I, I, for most of these, I'm I'm going to do a little intro. So if you do go spoiler, I'll give people a heads up. But okay, it it, it doesn't matter if you do. I'm a, I won't go too I won't go too much into it. But I mean, there's a scene where one guy who's been who's been turned over, you know, been changed, is sitting in a rocking chair. And he's visiting an old acquaintance of his and it's just rocking. And then the door opens. And what it was is he actually died in this guy's house. So later on, like the next day, there he is. And he's just talking to him and he's like trying to get him to look at him, like, look at me, look at me. And it's like, oh, my God. And that that is creepy. And then there's I see David Souls in a, in a morgue. And somebody had just uh, died who he knows had been bitten by a vampire. They're laying there. And you see him working quick to put together a cross. He gets these two, like, uh, tongue depressors. I think it is. And he tapes them together and he starts saying prayers over it. And while he's in the middle of doing that, you see the blanket start to twitch. And all of a sudden it sits up real quick. Eyes open, looking around. And he's still trying to get this thing to work. Like, to get it to – and it's – oh, my God. It's, it's like such a tense – Tense scene, and you get that through. Through now again, there's a there's a three hour version out there. That's the DVD. It's the it's the it's the TV. It's the miniseries. It's the three hour version. But there are such unsettling scenes in this movie, and it goes from like the whole second, the whole last two hours are so intense, and it just doesn't let up for me anyway. And it's still is a movie that it's, it's tough to watch. You still, whenever you hear something outside the window, I don't want to look because I'm thinking it could be that creepy ass little kid floating there with, with his grin, just, just tapping on the window. All he's doing is just scratching. He's not even knocking on saying, Hey, let me in. Not doing just scratching on the window. I love like, that. geez, oh man. Yeah. I mean, that's, and th- th- this movie has at least half a dozen, probably more, Images like that going all the way up to the end of it where the, where they're in the house and they're trying to get rid of the main vampire and you, all of a sudden the other ones are wake, wake up in this little sort of basement uh, corner of the basement that there's a door, a little door separating them and you see them slowly crawling out. Oh my God, it's just it, – it, it was so well done. I mean when, when people talk about Toby Hooper being a, a one uh, – or Toby Hooper being a one uh, movie director with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is his masterpiece – all right, I'm not going to say it's not. That's his best movie. But when it comes down to it, this is another one I think you got to throw up there. I mean, then you got then you got Life Force and you got Poltergeist. Yes, yes. I mean, it, he is listed as director, so he had to have some input with it. I know him and Spielberg did like Spielberg later on gave him full credit. No, no, that was that was his movie. That was Hooper's film. But during the process, Spielberg was sort of like, he's not a hands-on director. I find myself having to get more involved. So, there, I mean, that movie just screams Spielberg. Oh, it does. It, well, it, he wrote the story. Yeah, he wrote, he wrote the story. But, I mean, even right down to the way that the characters are portrayed. The lighting. Uh, right. I mean, just the way the camera moves. Everything about that is there's nothing about it that makes you think that, oh, boy, Toby Hooper came up with this. Yeah, it's the most Spielberg movie that he didn't direct. Exactly. Exactly. But you're right. He's listed as director there, and it's a great movie. Now, David Soul played Ben Mears, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, he did. Was he Starsky or Hutch? I can never remember. 
I'm pretty sure he was Hutch. Okay. <laughs> I, I was trying to, I was trying to remember. I, I think I, Oh God, I can't remember the name of the other guy. Um, Oh, it's, um, you know, I'm just going to cheat. <laughs> glad, glad, glad. No, it's a glasser. No, is it glasser. That sounds familiar. Let's All right, yeah. On. I gotta, I gotta look it up too, because I can't remember. Uh, Paul Michael Glazer Glazer. Okay. We're close. <laughs> yeah, we're close. And I, I think I remember, I actually re remember seeing him years later in, uh, the fiddler on the roof. On on Imdaba, since we're, since we're there, I just read Bonnie Bedelia was in Salem's Lot. Oh yes, she was. Bonnie Bedelia was in it. She plays the um uh, the love interest, uh, David Soul's love interest, and that's the one area of it where it's a little it's a little bit iffy. He like sort of meets her, yeah, and the next thing you know, they got this this major romance going on. They, they didn't they didn't spend much time developing. No, no, that was almost like okay, let's just put these two together. You know, it's almost like we got to do it. So let's put these two together. Um, and again, it could have been maybe they cut some scenes out. That to me was the only thing about it that seemed a little rushed. But yeah, she looked really good in this movie. I mean, this is young. I mean, this is pre uh, that. What was that racing movie she did? Where she was Muldowney. Oh, I, that was it was so touted in the 80s when that movie came out. Everybody was talking about it. Oh, I'm trying to. You know, I, this is this is awful. We're sitting here spending all this time trying to remember. Cause I, <laughs> to me. She'll always be Mrs. John McClain. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it. But she, I think she was nominated for an Oscar, actually, for her, uh, for her performance in, um, in this movie, uh, Heart Like a Wheel. That sounds familiar, but I don't believe I, I know I didn't. I don't think, it. I've never seen it either, to be honest with you. It came out in 83. Yeah, that was like right around the time of the terms of endearment and the right stuff and all that uh, about Shirley Muldowney. And I also noticed, I, I'm going to butcher the poor guy's name, but mm -hmm. George, is it Zunza or it's D-Z-U-N-D-Z-A. Yes. A, he was in Crimson Tide and I know he was in, uh, uh, fa not Fatal Attraction, Basic Instinct. He was Michael Douglas's oh, right, right, right. buddy, partner. Right, okay. Yes, the, yes, George Zunder, yeah, okay, Cully. I'm not, from, I'm not remembering that character right now. Let me look at the face here. Oh, yeah, he plays, he's the husband who's, um, the wife is, is screwing around on him with ah. um, Fred Willard. He comes home, he's even got a really cool scene that has nothing to do with the vampires, but he comes home and catches him, and he has uh, Fred Willard put a shotgun in his mouth. Oh. A cock shotgun in his mouth. He lets him think he's going to blow him away. <laughs> actually, you think but about seventy nine in on TV. I'm actually surprised they went there. Oh, they went there. They mm. definitely went there. And, and it's funny because it ends up uh, Fred Willard ends up when he walks out of there ends up being the first victim of the vampire. And, and I, that's funny. I was going to make a joke because I saw that Ed Flanders is in this, so I was going to be a Hadley Diddley neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ned, right. But I have no idea who he plays. Uh, let's see here. It's he plays a, Dr. A doc. Bill. Yeah, Dr. Bill Norton. Yeah, I'm no, I, I, I'm sure I'm, I'm not. As a matter of fact, he was in Exorcist 3, too. I was about to say, my love of connection comes through again. He was in The Exorcist 3. <laughs> I have no idea who he played in that, but. Uh... Father Dyer. Oh, okay. He was, the, he was the one that he goes and. Was he the one that he goes and visits in the hospital? Is that Father Dyer? I think it might be. Yeah, Either that or it's the one at the towards the beginning that gets all, well. Yeah, he's second build, so I would assume. Yeah, so it's got to be the big. It's got to be the big one. Yeah, um, and then of course Jeffrey Lewis. I mean, this guy has. Oh, he's great. He's, yeah, he's great. He's really. He he's always great. He's you know, like he's, he's always, one of his character actors. I I think of him in the same 
breath as say a Lance Henriksen or yes, Lance Henriksen or Harry Dean Stanton. Yes, or those character actors where you just you just yeah. freaking love them. They're never ever. They're always there with their A game. They're just right. re- and it's not just about kissing butt here. I mean, I love. I find I have a deep appreciation and love for character actors way more. I, I can appreciate what stars have you know, do and what they bring to the persona the idea of like the humphrey bogart the idea that mm-hmm. you have a persona and that's what you do uh, granted that's all you do sometimes <laughs> ask tom cruise but right but the the terry o'quins of the world right just those exactly folks who just oh i love that they're always there and they're they always show up and they always they always do a great job harry dean stanton is the one i always think of so it was salem's lot you were you were in high school then when you first saw it Yes, I was in I was in high school when I first saw it. I came back and I was watching it on cable early high school. I want to say like either a freshman or okay. uh sophomore. And I came back and I and I watched it and I was like, wow. I mean it was that would have made it it was years. It was years after it played on TV. Okay. It was years it was years later. And did you have you rewatched it then again recently? Oh yes, as a matter of fact, I did. Uh we, we were covering it on uh, Land of the Creeps and I did watch it again recently and wow. Um, it still holds up. It still really, really gets me. I mean, I was sitting there watching it and it was the scene I was talking about in the, um, uh, the jail cell. And it was funny because my wife had sat down and she's watching it a little bit with me. And as soon as this jump scare comes up, she gets up, she goes, this movie's evil. I can't watch it. <laughs> she's just got up and walked out of the room. <laughs> That's funny. But it is, it's intense. It's a really intense movie. Do you feel like... Spielberg, because the argument was Spielberg picked Hooper to direct Poltergeist because he was a huge fan of Chainsaw Massacre. And while right. I believe there's truth to that, from what I've seen of Salem's Lot, what you're telling me, and I'm going to, this is, I have a short list this year of movies. I say, like, come on, dude, you need to watch these, this ridiculous. Right. I've seen, I've seen, I think, everything else Toby Hooper's done. I, I haven't seen The Mangler. Uh, okay. <laughs> but, but I have seen <laughs> Eaten Alive. I have seen Life Force. I have seen Invaders from Mars. Right. I've seen virtually every, you know, Texas Chainsaw 1 and 2. I've seen most of everything the guy's done. Yet, for some reason, right. this is the one classic one he's done that I have. Wow. This is one, yeah, this is one definitely, definitely worth checking out. See, I think from what you're telling me and what I've seen of it, this would have been the movie Spielberg would say, you know what? Maybe this is the guy to talk to. It- could very well have been, yes, because he he was he did an awesome job with it. He really did. I mean, this is this is where he. I mean, he took what they were originally given to him. You know, with with Texas Chainsaw, that was just down and dirty guerrilla filmmaking, straight up. This is more refined, but he still manages to pull all of the scares out of it and shoots them in a way that he that they're that effective that they work that well. You know, I mean, it and and. I think if yeah if you ch- if you see this movie you'll look and you'll say wow this guy he's not a one trick pony which I never thought he was anyway to be honest with you but I mean like his like his 2005 movie Mortuary uh, oh I'm I saw sure. that I, I did I, you really I I wasn't a big fan of that wait one, no you know what no was it did was it Toolbox Murders was that the one he did with Angela Bettis there was one he redid it was a remake I know Mortuary yes was a... I think I think that was it Mortuary was the one that had uh, oh the girl who was. In uh, the first season of Next Generation, Star I, Trek Next Generation. I did and, not, I don't, I think I sci-fi channel or somebody was putting that on and I was going to watch it and I was always aware of that one. No, Toolbox Murders, I think Angela Bettis. And I actually remember that being pretty darn good. Yeah, well, I, that one, I, I'm not sure if I've seen the remake of that one, to be honest with you. I can't say, but I did see Mortuary and yeah, it's not worth checking out. It's not, it's, yeah, he did Toolbox Murders right before he did, he did Mortuary. So, in your opinion, Salem's a lot definitely worth revisiting. I want to 
visit it for the first time. Absolutely. And it's, I'll tell you what, I think you'll be impressed. You'll be, be, you'll be ready to sit through an hour of setup, but it's not bad. It's not bad setup. It's not like boring setup. If I were to pick the top three Stephen King adaptations, mm-hmm. The Shining would, for me, be up there. Meaning, just, meaning the Kubrick one. The Kubrick yes, one, yeah. yes. Yeah, not that one with uh, the guy from Wings. Uh, but anyway, the the Shining would be up there, and uh, the, the I would actually put Salem's Lot, yeah, in that top three as well. And I, you know, it's real hard to figure out what a third one would be. Jesus God, Pet I mean, Cemetery, Misery, Pet Cemetery, could Stand be by there. Me. If I was going to go outside of horror, it would be Stand by mm-hmm. Me. It would definitely be Stand by yeah, Me. That was our, that was our last non horror movie we covered. We just had that come out. Oh, and, I love that! Yeah, movie. we we both I gave it five, love, like five oh, out of five. Yeah. We still love it. It's that fantastic. Is, it just still works. It's, it's so movie. good. Yeah. And, oh my god! And, and I saw it in the theater, and mm. I, it just it means so much. It was like such such a tremendous film. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah. But I mean, even if we were to go just for horror, I mean, my god, you got Carrie, you got um, even. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't necessarily look at Christine for the horror, mm-hmm. but Christine has that great sort of character arc of Arnie Cunningham. Yeah. That's where the story lies for me. And I love the I'm car. Not, I, the car is awesome. The car is great playing 50s music. But oh, my father great. always had a tape deck in, in the car from like back in 81 where you still had to pay like $1,000 to get a tape deck in a car. He always got the technology first and he always had tapes of the 50s that he played. So I'm watching that movie go, what the hell's a big deal that plays 50s music? That's all, <laughs> that's all I ever heard in the uh-huh. car anyway. So it didn't mean anything to me. But no, the car is great. The car has some great scenes. I'm just not afraid of cars. Yeah. You know, because if you jump off the road, they, they can't, they're not going to follow you up a tree True. or over a rock or something like that. You know, like yeah. in, what was it? We just did Maximum Overdrive recently. If if the people, the, they would have survived if they didn't stand there screaming for 10 minutes, waiting for the thing to run them over. <laughs> True. You know, so, and that's almost like in this one, the one guy who gets run down by Christine, just don't run down the middle of the road. Yeah, just get, just get out of the way, dude. To, to do some zigzags, go out into a field. <laughs> Treat it like an alligator. Just <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, the, the, and if and if you jump out of the way, it's not going to stop on a dime and come right back. Exactly. On top of you. Especially you now, I, so, I don't know. I don't know a lot about mechanics, but I'm pretty confident. I don't know that the Plymouth Theory could you know, pivot on a dime. No, no, it wasn't no, a Ferrari. Not, not at all. But that said, the scene where it is killing the guy by destroying itself. Oh, the yeah. guy's in there. He thinks he's safe, and it's just crushing itself. I know that's awesome. At him. That is one of that's probably the best scene in the movie. Yeah, it's got great music anyway. Meeting Carpenter score. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, it's really Arnie Cunningham. That character arc, you Mm -hmm. see how he changes and just becomes evil, like the car by the end of it. That's really for me where the story lied. And I thought that was just great. And Keith Gordon was wow. He was just tremendous in that. Cujo. Yeah, Cujo. Oh, Cujo's another one. I just watched that one again recently. And you know, it it really does hold up. I I would just like with Christine, I never thought I'd have been afraid of a St. Bernard. Mm Mm-hmm. Who the hell would have thought a St. Bernard would well, have scared a ra- you? A rabid one. Yeah, yeah a <laughs> rabid one, yes, but still. Yeah, I think St. Bernard's, I think the little barrel on the neck yeah. in the Bugs Bunny cartoon yeah. running yeah. with martinis or whatever yeah, it was. totally. You know, that's what I'm thinking of. I'm not thinking of that, but he, yeah, I mean, Stephen King obviously has the gift. Um, some of them have translated better to movies sure. than, than others. You know, I haven't seen it in a lot of years. I don't remember being a big fan of Firestarter. No, it does. I, to me, it doesn't hold up that well. I, I yeah, saw it a few years back, and I just, it was not. Okay, I mean, I remember not caring for it much at the time. Yeah, when it first came out, you know, it's, it's like, not and, I, and I like George C. Scott, and I sure. thought Drew great. Barrymore. He's got a great cast. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And even Drew Barrymore back then was a little kid. She was really good. Yeah, you know, in in, a, in, a, in the movies that she is, but it just didn't. There was just something about it where it just wasn't 
working. It just it wasn't scary. It didn't scare me no. at all. And then, of course, the first half of it, Kevin Spencer and I covered that one. Yes, that's like two different movies. Yeah, the first half is fantastic. The second, right. just pretend it didn't happen. Right. <laughs> other than the fact that it has John Ritter in it, and that makes me smile. But other than that, it's, yeah. just pretend it didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess it would have been. Yeah, right around that time. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the Salem's Lot would be right up there. As a matter of fact, if I were to do my, my top five vampire movies, I would have Nosferatu on that. I would probably have Lugosi's Dracula. Um, and I would, I would have, um, I would have Salem's Lot on there too. I mean, this, that's, this is that good of a movie that it's, you know, and made for TV. It's probably my favorite made for TV movie of all time. And there've been some damn good ones there too. Yeah, there have, although I will, I will say, I will say you set the bar high. Well, that's true. I, and I, I trust your taste. I trust your taste. Well, thank you. And I'd be real interested to hear what you think about okay. it when you yeah. say it. I would definitely, because I think my wife, she loves King stuff too. And I think it'd be a fun one for both of us to watch. Oh, th- I think you like, and especially if you say she'd take it with the exorcist. Yeah. I think she would like this movie. All right, good. All right, cool. I think she would like this movie too. I think, I mean, again, it's a commitment of time. It's three hours. Yeah, sure. But in our house with three little boys, that means it's going to be six and a half, but that's okay. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly right. But it's, it's well worth it. Sure. Absolutely worth it. Well, Mr. Becker, thank you very much. And of course, yes, thank you. And I'm so sorry to hear it. Uh, it's coming to an end. My all the best to Jason. Yes. You know, you guys, you guys are such a good team. And then so many hours of entertainment. I thank you guys for that. I feel like half of my brain. Well, half of my brain was already gone, but the other right. half this, of the half, the other half, right? Yeah. <laughs> half, of the, half of the half that was remaining <laughs> is being, being plucked from, oh, from the podcast sphere. But yeah, it, yeah. And, and it's a shame, but I understand, you know, the, the um, moving on to yep. bigger and better and all the best to him. Absolutely. Um, and at least we got the, uh, at least we got the episodes to go back and listen to again, but uh, all the best. And thank you so much for having me on to, for this, uh, for this one man. last go around. I appreciate it. And um, all the best to you. Thank you, sir. And you, you and yours have a happy Halloween, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this special bonus episode of the 2014 Spooky Flicks Fest. And a special thanks to Dave Becker, whose encyclopedic knowledge is always welcome. You can check out Dave and his prolific movie reviews at dvdinfatuation.com Looking for more spooky fun? Why not head on over to ForgottenFlicks.com where you can sign up to receive free updates and something horrific delivered to your inbox every day in October. See you soon! ha 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 ha!